What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and we are back with the post game for Rutgers. 67 to 37. Rutgers wins this one. Um, and Rod, this started off bad. Oh, uh, zero to 15. Um, you know, Michigan State claws their way back a little bit uh, to get within six at the halftime, and then doesn't do a whole lot in the second half. Um, this was pretty. I mean, we knew it was going to be rusty, but this was pathetic. I, I well, mean, it's it, it was it was certainly at the extreme end of the range of of possibilities coming off the layoff. But yeah. you know, in all honesty, what they look like. They look like a team that hasn't played basketball. Yeah, I mean, and they haven't. Sure. And they haven't. I'm not trying to make excuses. You would, you would hope and expect for better than that, particularly in the in the second half. Um, but that's what they look like. I mean, the one thing I thought they might have been able to kind of keep together was their shooting eye, because individual most of these guys were able to work out individually. Mm-hmm. during this break, but you see how much that's worth. And honestly, what tonight tells you is that it isn't just shooting's not just about shooting, if that makes sense. Um, you have to be able to run an offense efficiently enough to get good shots, makeable shots, and they just didn't do that at all. Mm. I mean, it was a mighty struggle to get anything good. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I thought Rutgers from the get-go was very aggressive defensively without gambling. They were just in Michigan State's face, and Michigan State played like a group of guys who haven't played together a whole hell of a lot because, again, over three weeks, they haven't. Hmm. The turnovers were ludicrous. You know, the vast majority of them were Michigan State's fault. They just dribbled into turnovers or made soft passes. Did, you know, the recipient didn't come to meet the pass. Just every basic mistake that you can make, they made. And um, I, I think even when Michigan State wasn't getting a, a, a play, wasn't resulting in a turnover, passing was so far from crisp. I mean, guys, how many times did Michigan State make a pass that got completed where maybe a good pass would have set somebody up for a shot, but instead the guy had to reach down at his ankles to grab it. 
You know, there was a ton of that going on, even when they weren't turning it over. So that had a lot to do with the offensive inefficiency. I think also, to be honest, and this happens when you're way down, shot selection was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. No, they forced a lot of stuff. Um, and a lot of the threes they took, I didn't think were good threes, you know, um, so you put it all together and then defensively, I don't know what, what did Rutgers end up shooting for the game? I don't know the stats in front of me. It wasn't 40, great. 43. Yeah. That's for, for a Michigan state team. That's a little higher than you want to give up, but it wasn't a total disaster like we've seen in some other games. Mm. I thought at certain times Michigan state was really bad defensively, but to be honest with you, they were a little better, at least for stretches. I would say the second 10 minutes of the first half, when they got back into the game, they were actually pretty good defensively. Um, and then in the second half, they weren't very good. I mean, they get what they give up must have been 40, 41 points. Yeah, because they had 26 at the half. They ended up with 67. So not so good in the, uh, in the second half, but, um, Clearly, offense was the bigger culprit in this game. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just an all-purpose disaster. The only, bright, other way. the only bright spots I saw are, is at times when they were able to get it into the post, it was fairly effective. Yeah. And it, but it well, was very few and far between. I mean, well, Bingham here, had a Here's the look. thing. The, yeah. Bowser had and a you're, couple. You're right. And I'm going to keep saying this until it changes. Um, not that I have anything to do with it changing, but I mean, we'll just keep talking about it because it's obvious. The continued lack of a consistent post presence kills them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely kills them. And there's no good reason for it because they've got guys who can score in the post. You had that one in the second half when the game was blown out, but Joey Hauser, that, that, that was beautiful. That's textbook post basketball. Yeah. And, and it, again, the offense was an all-purpose disaster, so one of the other problems was their spacing was terrible. Just terrible. Too often, they had so many guys in the paint or near the paint that meant so many defenders were in the paint that you couldn't get room. On that one I'm talking about where Joey had the nice turnaround jump hook, mm-hmm. there was a lot of room for him. The spacing was good. Yeah. Um, you know, but we don't see that very often. They've got to figure that out because, to me, if they're just going to keep playing this way, I don't know that it gets a lot easier for them. You know, you've got to have something to go to on the blocks. You just have to. And What broke that 0 for 15 um, uh, score was Bingham on the block. Right. And that first play, I thought, wow, that looks – Familiar, like something I haven't seen in a long time. Mar- Marky did. Marky did okay. I mean, he had some rough spots too, but he he at least competed and he did some things. Um, but they just, yeah, you you don't without more of a presence down low. This thing's not going to get any easier. Um, that's just the bottom line, you know. Um, every uh, the running game was terrible they were terrible in transition for spacing in transition was awful mm-hmm. passing transition was awful decision making was awful you know um there's there's nothing you can point to except that's that 10 minute stretch at the end of the first half it's the only thing you can point to and say all right there were some positives 
in that stretch. They defended better. Offensively, they, they weren't great by any means, but at least they were semi-competent. Mm. Um, and then in the second half, you know, they, that's the thing. Keep, remember that the tail end of the first half, they were down three at one point with the ball. So even the six point margin at the half, they had been closer than that. They climbed all the way back into that game. And then the start of the second half, some possessions, um, defensively they weren't very good again which allowed Rutgers to put the lead back out into double digits pretty quickly and it was over from there um so yeah I mean just not not much else to say about it really other than that um you know I guess I guess from my perspective it's this is not something that should be totally unexpected we hoped that they would be sharper somehow, and it's mm. a weird enough year that anything can happen. But they clearly weren't, and and Rutgers looked like a team that's been playing, right? I mean, that's that can explain a lot. I'm not saying that explains everything by any means, but that's what it looked like to me. Michigan State looked like a team that hasn't played because they haven't. There's just there's stuff that drives me nuts, like like Miles Johnson six for nine from the floor. And he only shot two free throws. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing. You know, free throws didn't end up being any kind of factor. Um, but uh, what, are you saying that they should have fouled him automatically? Yeah, but they need to be playing him tougher. You know, if he's going to, like that one play he got over um, where Rocket Watts kind of went for the, yeah. the swipe. It's like, weak, no. Weak swipe. Weak swipe. Yeah, I agree with you. You're right. Um you know, but that's not, that's just not the personality of this team. This is not, and, and honestly, it hasn't been the personality. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time I thought Michigan State had the personality of a tough team. And you probably have to go back. Boy, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit. With, um, with, uh, you know, BJ Dawson, mm-hmm. some guys like that. Uh, you know, the, the Denzel team was a great team. I don't think it was particularly a physically tough team. Um, and none of the teams the last four years really were physically tough, you know? So they, they just don't have guys like that. Yeah. That's, that's just not, and, and honestly, um, what I know about the kids that are coming in, I don't think that's going to change. I mean, they, they do have some personality types that are maybe a little bit different, but this is not a team that's going to go out and, and play that way. Uh, but in fairness, the sport has changed. There aren't a lot of teams that do that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, when you ask guys to go out and be physical in that fashion, I'm not sure how many teams there are anywhere that can answer that bell. You know, what, yeah. what you want to see is a team compete on the glass. And I thought at times they did that, but Johnson really wore him out. There was a stretch early in the second half where I think Rutgers had like four offensive rebounds in a row. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was discouraging. And that was after Michigan State had a pretty good rebounding half in the first half. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of things. I'm trying to sort out as we're talking a lot of things on my mind about this. I don't want to make excuses because the bottom line is 
you know, I, I've seen some people in recent days talk about how if Izzo gets his team to the NCAA tournament, it's the best coaching job of his career. Mm-hmm. I, I understand the feeling there, but if you're talking about, wow, he doesn't have very much to work with, bullshit. Yeah. This is a team, this is a team with nine guys who were top 100 recruits, and Aaron Henry wasn't one of them. Okay? Um, this is a team with a lot of guys who played roles, maybe weren't the stars, but played significant roles on Big Ten champions, a Final Four team. They got a lot of guys with that kind of experience. Um, you know, if you go back to 06, 07, that was a team that was shortchanged, talent-wise. You have Drew Neitzel's junior year. 01, 02, they had some talent, but they were incredibly young. Um, this team is not as young as that team was, and it's not, it's got more talent than the 0607 team. So I'm not ready to say that, that this is, you know, well, they just got caught in a year where they don't have talent. I, I don't, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Right now, you know, Joey Hauser is a complete mystery to me. I don't understand it because this is a kid who has first team all Big Ten talent. I, no doubt in my mind about that. Zero. Yeah. And he's actually shown it this year at different times. You know, what's happened to him over the last, the last couple weeks before the break and now again tonight. And then even as we say that, you see those flashes like we talked about that play in the post. Why is that not happening five or six times a night? Yeah. Yeah. Why? I mean, I don't know whether to, uh, knowing Michigan State how it normally is, I would say, well, Joey's freelancing. But I don't know that that's true. And even if he is, I don't know that, that, Izzo is holding guys accountable in the same way he normally does, or whether he feels like he can. That, that's one of the things, uh, and I know we've, we've talked about this before, where I said that earlier in the season when they went through that three-game losing streak at the start of Big Ten play, and I said that, I think at one point we talked about it at least, that it was an, an Izzo unlike any I've seen ever, in that he was. He didn't seem to be publicly holding guys accountable. He was claiming that they were playing well when clearly they weren't. Mm. And it made me wonder, honestly, has COVID, either in terms of its impact on him, what he sees as the impact on these kids, whatever it is, has it just shifted everything this year? And I, I think that might be the case. I mean, one thing we got to consider, and it's, again, the caveat, it's a weird year, and you can't read too much necessarily into anything, but Michigan State is not only losing games, they've gotten their ass kicked, what, three times in a way that you never see. Mm. Northwestern, Minnesota, and now tonight. Those are ass kickings that you might see once every couple years for an MSU team. And it's happened three times already. Mm. That tells me some things. And again, because I don't believe this is, you can argue that maybe the, the pieces don't fit together perfectly. And I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Point guard's been a problem. Um, maybe bigger than I think any of us assumed it would be. Um, the five spot has not really gotten solved. I'll, I'll agree with that. Those were the two biggest issues coming into the season and they're big now. But, all that said, there's still talent here. And yeah, I kept thinking of the the saying, you know, the some of the parts is is greater, or the some of the parts collective is less than the sum of the individual parts. Yeah, yeah. 
it's like the I opposite, agree with that. You know what I mean? It's like, but I, but even so, I mean, we've got twenty five years of track record with Tom Ezzo, and we've never seen this. This is not his worst roster. No way. No, not even close. No way. So so how is it happening? And again, part of it is clearly the circumstances. He's never had a team that went through what they've just went through. You know? Um, and I think it's really, it's it's an awful thing because even that Purdue collapse aside, the fact is Michigan State, I believe, had started to find itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, defensively for sure. They had played two pretty good defensive games back-to-back against Rutgers the first time and then Purdue, even in the loss. And, you know, I said it on the message board the other day, if you could guarantee me that MSU would play defensively the rest of the way, the way that they played in those two games, I'd bet on them being an NCAA tournament team. But, you know, tonight they weren't as bad as they've been in some other games, but they weren't at that level. Um, so I, I just – I don't know. I, I, I have to. I have to assume that it is the nature of this season is part of it. Yeah. And and you could say, well, coaches aren't doing their job, whatever that means. And ultimately, it's on him, and he'd be the first one to say that. I obviously we're recording this now. We haven't seen his post game comments. I imagine he's gonna he's gonna probably put some of this or a lot of it on him or himself. Um. But the, the reasons why that's the case, the reasons why they're not dealing with it maybe the way that some other programs are, I, you know, that's open to speculation, and I don't think any of us are well-positioned to know, to have the answer, you know? I, I'll throw a stab at it um, because they had mentioned on the broadcast uh, that – the stat about Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, yeah. Um, yeah. and all of these big time programs are really struggling um, yes. this year, and they're all programs with coaches that are have been there for decades. Um, and I just i I think that maybe those type of coaches, those type of programs, are so you know detailed and organized from day one all the way up until tournament time. And they have a, a, a plan of action all the way through that this begets this begets this. That throwing this huge monkey wrench into the season affects them more so uh, because they just don't know how to handle the chaos of it all. You know, or, or they just—I I don't know any other way to describe it other than how are all these big-time teams, huge programs. Uh, just not doing very well. All of which I think, I think all four were ranked in the preseason top ten. Yeah. Michigan, I guess Michigan State wasn't. Michigan State was maybe just outside, and I'm well, not sure about Carolina. Yeah, yeah, but the top 15. I think all four for sure were in the top 15. You might be onto something. I mean, I've thought that about Michigan State, and that kind of gets, you're, you're being a little more precise about it than, than I was. Um, but that kind of gets a little bit at what I was what I was trying to get to in the circumstances that Izzo can't coach the way he's used to, mm-hmm. and some of that I wonder about. Is it you know the holding guys accountable? How hard he's coaching them? All of that. But it's also very likely 
a bit of what you're talking about that you know we're used to Michigan State progressing you know and yeah. getting better and better and playing sharper and sharper at both ends as a year goes on and at least thus far that's not happened you know they actually played their best basketball early um so yeah, maybe that's you know all all four of those programs though. I, I would say there's there's some differences with Duke and with Kentucky. I think I think this. I think that you're definitely onto something because those are freshman dependent programs, and that's a very difficult thing to do. And Kay and Calipari have figured out a way to make that work year after year with different rosters, right? With heavy mm-hmm. roster turnover. And so you're probably on to something that the, dis- the disruptions, you know, Duke had a layoff, obviously. Um, I don't recall how it was at least a couple weeks in December. Um, and, and so that plus the preseason probably impacted both of those teams a lot. You know, relative to what usually happens with them. Um, Carolina is not as young. They're young in the backcourt. Um, so they're a little bit maybe closer to Michigan State in terms of their, their roster setup. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know that they've had a, a break the way the other programs, the way Duke and Michigan State have at least. Um, but, uh, but it's an interest, it's an interesting point might well be onto something there. Um, of course, you know, we can we can point to coaches who have great track records who are doing very, very well. You know, Mark Few, um, uh, Jay Wright, uh, you know, there there are guys who are getting it done. Um, so I don't know if that answers everything, but I, I do think in Michigan State's case, I think that is part of it for sure. And and again, that's I, I don't want to say, listen guys, None of this is Izzo's fault. This is happenstance. No, it's, you know, if, if what you usually do isn't working or can't work, then you got to try other things. And if you're not able to get an answer, you're not able to find an answer. That's a fair thing to say. I'm just saying it's worth acknowledging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't mean that there's an asterisk by the season. It all counts. You know, as we say, other programs are playing and winning. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Something is in this um, that that could be better and isn't right now. Um, but I just I don't know. Um, <laughs> there was a point in the second half where he had a lineup out there with Sissoko and Bingham, and I think for I don't know how many minutes it was maybe a two or three minute stretch, and I just wondered to myself, would we have ever in a million years? expected to see that combination out there together this season. <laughs> you know, and not surprisingly it struggled mm-hmm. <laughs> offensively. Um I just I don't know. I, I this this is where I land. Offensively, um if you want to solve some of this, you gotta find a way to get post offense. And they I I will maintain in my dying breath they have multiple guys who are capable of scoring on the blocks. Mm-hmm. Joey Hauser can do it. Aaron Henry can do it. I think Malik Hall can do it. Those three for sure. If you play Julius Marble, there are defensive issues with that, but Julius Marble can do it as well. 
So that's four guys that I, I absolutely believe can be efficient and effective post scorers, and they're not going to it at all. Mm. That's got to change. Has to change. And if it can't, if it doesn't change, we're going to continue to see this inconsistency with their offense. You know, some of the stuff, the turnovers, the bad spacing, shot selection, I'm willing to write that off at the moment to, you know what, they just haven't practiced, they haven't played. I I think you can, you can attribute at least some of that to, to that one factor. But the lack of post offense is a continuing theme this season. And it's becoming a real problem because, as we've said before, if if you are struggling, you're not hitting shots, you're not able to get out on the break, you got to have something else you can turn to. You have to have another alternative, another response, and that's post-offense. And they don't have it right now, not because they don't have guys who are capable of executing it, but because they refuse to go to it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what that's about. I really don't. Because it's it's not even like in years past, I used to complain a lot about certain players and certain teams in the Izzo era where I felt the guards were not patient enough. Wings especially were really impatient, you know, not waiting a beat or two longer to let a post player get himself established. Mm. Or they just didn't look. They just were not good. They weren't efficient post feeders, whatever. That's not the problem this year. The problem is they're not even bothering to post up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it just seems like – it feels like they're stuck thinking that they're, that they're Xavier Tillman. Like you're constantly seeing like Bingham um, – guys that should be on the block, it seems like, are constantly running the pick and roll. And I just don't know if that's the right thing for Bingham. No, it's it's not. Nor do they have Cassius Winston executing that play as the ball handler. Mm-hmm. Ab- absolutely, no, I, I agree. Um, and you know, it's been my eternal frustration that Joey Hauser seems to spend ninety five percent of his time on the arc. Yeah, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. And if that's him, well, then Izzo's got to find a way to get his ass on the block. If it's by design. I'm going to argue that's a poor design, mm. you know, um, but something's got to change if they, because you, you have to have that alternative, that response when things aren't going well, otherwise that you can turn to. That's what good post offense is. And by the way, if you get it established, it guaranteed is going to improve the quality of the jumpers that you get as well. Mm. It just will. So I, I hope to see that. Defensively, uh, man, I, I don't know. They were, as I say, they were they were up and down in this game. Um, they had stretches where they were good, and then they had stretches where they were really, really bad. Um, I, I expected that that would be a struggle to get back right away. Mm. I hope that they can find it soon because, you know, the schedule isn't getting much easier. Next game they go to Columbus. Ohio State's playing pretty well. Um, so that's going to be a challenge, you know. Um, and but they they've got, got they got pretty lucky on some of the three pointers because they only Rutgers only shot twenty six percent, but they had a lot of wide open threes. They sure did. They sure did. That's why I say even you know the 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 shooting percentage wasn't god awful, one great, but it wasn't god awful. But you're right, there were some good looks from deep that Rutgers had that just didn't fall. 
Um, so anyway, I mean, I, I, I wish we had more specifics that we could point to, but it's, it's so all encompassing right now that you, you have to talk in mostly generalities, I think, because it, it's not just one thing, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, right now, you know, this, this feels like, the Carter administration, 1979, <laughs> that's what it really feels like. And I don't know what, you know, I, I really thought at halftime of that Purdue game, I was convinced, okay, they found it. Not that they were going to go win the pick 10, but they found it. They found themselves, they've discovered it. And then you have that shit second half and then you have three weeks off. And now we have this and any momentum that they had, going is gone you know and so they got to find a way to get up off the mat again and do it well um yeah i don't think there's any uh need to go through the keys that's pretty well number number one was the story right yeah turnover or uh, layoff layoff yeah that's i mean I, i that's that's it. That they looked like and played like a team that hasn't played together. The end of story. <laughs> Everything else, you know, you can talk about the turnovers we had. You know, the rebound. What did the final rebounding stats end up? Um, I don't have the team reboundings in here, but forty. It looks like forty for Rutgers total to twenty nine for Michigan. And State. offensive, but ten, offensive. Ten for Michigan State, thirteen for Rutgers. Yeah, so they got beat. They didn't get hammered, but they got beat. That was mostly in the second half. The first at halftime, I think Michigan State actually. Yeah, it was pretty match. even. It was about even at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those areas, you know, that was just a disaster. The three point thing was a wash. Neither team shot well. Um, and then free throws. I mean, Rutgers actually the free throws they attempted, they shot well. Yeah, ten for twelve for Rutgers. Yeah, that's crazy. But it, it, uh, Michigan State was terrible in the few that they got. I think they were one for five. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it didn't matter. I mean, it wasn't a decide. But if Rutgers could go 10 for 12 every game, Steve Peichel would take it and run. I can tell you that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's really it. The layoff, I think, is the bulk of the story. You, you wondered how would Michigan State come back off this, and the answer is not well. Yep. All right, well, um, looks like the next one up is Iowa. Um, Ohio State. Ohio, I'm sorry, Ohio State. But they did get the Iowa game rescheduled. Um, they did, yeah. They, for, I think, February 6th? Yeah. So I think weekend after this coming one. Um, yeah, but Ohio State's up on Sunday. So we'll right. we'll be back. I don't know how much we want to be at this point, but we'll be back. It's getting pretty dicey. I mean, it we're – I feel like we're entering emergency territory here. Uh, oh, I think at... if, you're, if you're talking about the NCAA tournament, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no there's no way to sugarcoat it. They're two and five, mm. and and you know a lot of tough games coming up, and not just tough games, but the schedule's going to be condensed. Yeah, so you're going to be playing and playing and playing. So on the one hand, you'd say, all right, well at least they're they're going to get that. That you know they'll be playing games, which means you should hopefully develop some sharpness should come back. But you know how long does that take to happen, and what are you playing against? I just 
yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's tough. It's tough for sure. But it's it is as the horrible cliche goes, it is what it is, right? I mean, this is the circumstance, and there's no changing it at this point. So you just got to go out and try to find a way. Mm-hmm. All right. Until next time, the final four is not on the schedule. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.